Bethany Adkins has become a friend of mine and I'm so thankful that we were able to have this conversation because it's something I am so incredibly passionate about. One of the things that leads the way that I parent my children is the desire for them to grow up and to feel safe, to come and talk to me about anything that they have going on in their lives. I want to be a safe place. So on today's conversation, Bethany and I are talking about that, about how to be intentional with your little ones to foster openness as they get older. We talk about how conflict is a part of every single home, but the way that you respond to that conflict is what matters the most. We talk about raising our children differently than our spouses and finding that sense of compromise. And what I love the most, you guys, is that we are not coming at this from a place of having it all together. Bethany and And I both agreed that we kind of laughed as we were thinking through these questions in this conversation topic because we both struggle with patience and with gentleness with our children and not going zero to 100, but managing with grace and dealing with tantrums with grace and the hard conversations with grace and that we are fighting for that as well. So you guys can come along on the journey with us knowing we do not have it all together, but that we are learning and growing from other resources and people around us. And we wanted to share that with all of you. So let's dive into today's conversation. We were never promised that life would be easy, but when we do it together, it becomes much easier. I genuinely believe that we have to be intentional about creating a joyful life. I believe in happy parenting healthy marriages, long-lasting friendships, and making perfect memories in imperfect homes. But those things require deep, holy heart work. I am passionate when it comes to sharing vulnerably about the things that people are not always comfortable discussing, and I am passionate about sharing practical wisdom that has helped me to help you navigate through life less stressfully and more purposefully. On the Living Easy Podcast, you'll hear honest insight with a biblical foundation to help you become best friends with your spouse again, to love your motherhood so much that you don't need wine or even coffee to get through the day and to find hope in the very real trials and pain that we face moment to moment. I want to challenge you every Monday to live life with purpose, to choose joy, and to honor God with all that you do. Are you ready to fight hard for that sweet, abundant life? If so, I would love to do it together. So grab a cup of coffee and join me every Monday. I'm Lindsay Maestas, and this is the Living Easy Podcast. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Living Easy Podcast. Today, I am here with Bethany Adkins, who I have had the wonderful opportunity to speak with actually multiple times on a variety of podcasts, one being hers. We had such a great conversation. So hi, Bethany, again. Hello again. I'm so excited to be here. I know we were just saying this before the call, but these are like my favorite conversations with you. So so happy to be here. Thanks. I really love talking to you. I think we vibe pretty well, which is nice. I agree. We're going to talk about motherhood today, which I'm so excited because it's been a little while since I've addressed motherhood on the show. And I am just so passionate about being a good present mama. And I know you feel the same way about just 
having open doors of communication with your kids. And one thing that you've said in the past is that one of your biggest fears is that you'd raise your kids in a way that they wouldn't feel like they could open up to you. They couldn't share their lives with you. And I have the exact same fear. I want my boys to feel so comfortable in just communication and coming to me and not being afraid of getting in trouble, you know, that our relationship comes before even that. So can you talk about how you have learned to communicate intentionally with your little ones and how you're fostering openness as they get older? Yes. So there's two different elements to this. First, like think about your friends. Think about the friends that you feel super comfortable with. You can just open up, you can be yourself. And then the ones where you feel like you have to put on your best clothes and not feel fully comfortable. Now, yeah. I know we're not our kids' friends, but that it is kind of similar in that way. The ones that we relate to are because we feel human, like they feel human to us and not yeah. perfect. And so in that aspect, I think it's similar. Back when I was a kid, I thought my parents were invincible. Mm-hmm. which is great as a kid. You know, my dad was Superman. I literally thought he could lift up a house or squeeze water out of rocks. Like I seriously thought there was nothing they could do, just could do no wrong. Yeah. But then I became an adult and I slowly started realizing, wow, my parents, they do have flaws mm-hmm. and they're not perfect. And that was really a struggle for me for a while. As I became an adult, I really struggled with this because It was hard for me to see those flaws after for so long. I thought they're perfect because in my mind, I thought, oh, they're perfect. They know everything. Now when I'm a parent, I'm going to know everything. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of this like paradigm shift for me. And so now as a mom, I love my parents dearly. They were amazing. Right. But it shifted that where I want my kids to know that I'm human because I want Mm -hmm. them to know that when they become parents, they can be human too. So I have bad days and it's just like today was a bad day for me. You know, my dad just had open heart surgery last week and my kids were being wild, which our kids do, you know? And so I was in the car, my head was about to explode. I'm like going to lose my patience, which I think we all have those moments. Mm -hmm. And I think it's in those moments where we can say, I have to be perfect for my kids. I have to hold it all together and bottle it all up. Or we can stop right there and show them our humanness. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times I still fail at this. I'm not perfect. But today, you know, I was like, guys, you're being kind of crazy. I have a lot of thoughts going through my head. Mm. Papa's in the hospital. That's my dad. I'm worried. I'm feeling scared. And it would really help me if you guys could, you know, be better and do better. And they listened. You know, yeah. they saw that I was struggling with something, that I was human, and it helped us to connect. It also gave them the opportunity for compassion and for empathy, yes. you know, which maybe wouldn't have happened had you just been strong. But first of all, you popped on this conversation <laughs> while you're going through all of that. Is your dad okay? He is doing good. He's still in the ICU. It's been about a week. But honestly, these conversations are so life-giving. The and distraction. I- it's a great distraction. Yeah. Oh. And yeah, he's doing it. He's doing well. So hopefully he'll be home by Thanksgiving. But yeah, thank oh, you for good. asking. Well, I'll be praying for him. 
I fully agree with you. Like I'm very similar in that I struggle with feeling like I need to have it, but I grew up the same way where I felt like my parents just, they had it all together. And my mom was pretty open with her struggles. My dad talked about his past a lot and the mistakes he made. So there was that, but I do think that it's a generational difference now to where we just were using the resources that we have that maybe they didn't have in teaching our children those things, the empathy, the openness, allowing the emotion, especially within boys, which is something I'm constantly working on, like kind of retraining my own mind. So fully relate and kind of fighting the same fight as you. Yeah. I think the last thing I want to say about that is just like you said, it teaches them empathy and it teaches them that it's okay to have rough days. And I think that's the best thing. And even going forward, they see us as parents having rough days. So they know that when they're parents, that's okay too. And I do, I think it's generational. So yeah, I love what you said. Yeah. I feel, I don't know. It's been something I've thought a lot about lately, especially with my oldest. I'm seeing in him (laughs) a very strong desire to people please. And I am such a people pleaser and I know how soul sucking (laughs) that can be in my life. Okay. So we took him to Disney world recently and it was wonderful and amazing. And we sat down on the couch the other day and he was like, mom, how much did that cost? And he's five. I'm like, that doesn't matter. Don't worry. It was just wonderful. And he said, well, it was just expensive, wasn't it? Was it a lot? And I said, I mean, it costs money, but we chose to do that. We saved, we budgeted, we decided to take that because that was special to us. We wanted you to be a part. And for days, he has been obsessing over buying me something at the store to like pay me back for it, which is sweet. It is super sweet, but like the heart behind it, I just worry which I'm going to trust Jesus in this, but there is also a place of wisdom, you know, and seeing, okay, he's freaking out over wanting to pay me back. And then even if I do chores around the house, he'll make comments like, mom, I'm so sorry. You have to do all of this for us. What can I do for you to like make it? And I'm like, no, I am your mom. This is what I signed up for. And I enjoy making dinner for you. I enjoy doing these things. Can you help? For sure. Here are the opportunities. But I also want to be aware and use the resources that I have to help make, I guess, to point him toward Jesus and like pleasing God rather than trying to please me or pleasing his dad, you know? So, but I think that communication is so key. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree with that so much. And I think... I love that he is so empathetic and that's such an amazing trait. But the fact that he is coming and talking to you about it, it's like a door is wide open for you right now to teach him that that's such a beautiful thing for him. But also it's something that you struggled with when you were little. Here's what you learned as you've gotten older and here's how you can kind of find that balance in between so that people don't take advantage of him. So it's just little things like that, picking up on those. Some people see them as flaws but there's also beautiful like room attributes for that come from those things. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So I love that so much. And remind me how old your kids are. Eight and five. Okay. So what are yeah. some things that you have seen in this season of life where you're sensing the openness is needed? Like, especially in 2020, where all of this is happening, an eight-year-old is probably feeling it more than a five-year-old would be like Sutton. Yeah. But what kind of conversations have you guys been having lately? What things are you seeing in their lives that have allowed open doors for you? So I think for the younger ones, I'll start with my daughter who's things show up in the younger kids that they're not 
able to verbalize that they're picking up on the chaos of the world right now, but they certainly are. They really are. And it can show up in, you know, temper tantrums or wanting to watch more TV than they normally would, not wanting to play as much. And so when they can't really verbalize how they're feeling when they're little, they're still feeling it. They're feeling the chaos that's going on. It's important for us as parents to like kind of pick up on what's shifting in them then be open and just start talking about it. So, you know, my five-year-old sometimes all knows things and opening, you know, just prompting questions for her. I do. Sometimes she doesn't answer. She doesn't want to talk about it. Yeah. But even on the days that she doesn't, I think that it's still giving her the opportunity to know that I'm here. She feels a certain way or wants to talk something. And then maybe days later, she'll come and start asking me questions about even the coronavirus and the pandemic Mm -hmm. and all of that stuff. So it just shows up for her differently. Man, with my son, he's so much different. He's so full of energy. And I know the isolation has hit him a lot harder. So for us, it's just been about being intentional with our time and putting our phones down and putting the screens down and making sure that we have to kind of step up and fill in that time that he's not getting with his friends that he normally would with the sports that have been canceled because it does affect them. I feel like so much of what you're saying, even with the intentionality is the mindfulness. And that's what I've learned. Like I'm obviously with what I do, what you do, we're (laughs) over communicators. Like I communicate too much sometimes. And I know that that can bless my family, but I also know there are boundaries with my communication too. But what I do believe and agree with you on is that the mindfulness is so important and the intentionality is so important in utilizing those moments. Like for our listeners who may not be big communicators, who may not really have been raised in a home where this is normal to say, how do you feel right now? You know, I've said on past podcast episodes that we like to do like, what was your sunny part of today? What are you looking forward to tomorrow? And then what was your cloudy part of today at every dinner, you know, and Mm. some people change up the verbiage, but it's always trying to get to the root of like, how did you feel? What are your thoughts today? And often sit down with Sutton and just say, if he was spending time with a friend, like, Hey, how was that time with your friend? What was it like? What types of things did he do that made you feel happy? What types of things did he do that made you feel kind of uncomfortable? Was there anything? And making sure it's like, it's this awareness and I don't want to be a controlling parent. I'll get into right. that. I am a controlling parent. <laughs> <We're getting laughs> through it. But it's, it's those moments of like picking up, like you're saying, picking up on those things that they're not verbalizing to you, but saying, yeah. I'm going to choose as a mom to be more aware, to honor God in my motherhood, to not be distracted by more important work, but to know this is my most important work and to gauge like their body language, to gauge the cues and to know yes. your children, you know, and not to guilt moms who like, that's not your strength. That's not my heart at all. But just to remind you that is something that God can grow you in and continue and something he's continuing to grow me in and just having that relationship with your family is so important. I agree with that completely. And I think that, I think that we all struggle with mindfulness because Mm -hmm. the world is crazy with social media and there's so much pulling at our attention. Our phones, like my phone just went off. I had a text message. I had to silence it. So it's so important for us and it's not beating yourself up because this is one of my biggest, biggest struggles as a mom, just being intentional and saying, is your to-do list really more important than your kid that's pulling at your leg right now? Mm -hmm. We all struggle with it. So actually something I wanted to say in the beginning of the podcast is one of my biggest fears in these interviews is that like one, 
that somebody that knows me listens to the things I'm saying <laughs> and they're like, okay, no, you're totally a fraud. But the thing is, I'm not perfect and I yeah. know I'm not perfect. And same thing with your listeners. You don't have to be perfect, mm-hmm. but to strive toward what you want to be every day, that's enough. And mm-hmm. we're human. We're going to mess up, but it's about recognizing having resources like your podcast and listening to other people who are right there with you, but are working toward being better. That's okay. That's the best we can do. We're not going to be perfect every day. I'm laughing because one of my close friends is sitting across from me right now as we record and can totally relate in the same way where like she sees my life. I see her life. And sometimes when I record the podcast, I feel the same way. I'm like, man, I am telling you what I'm working toward. I am not telling you (laughs) what I have achieved because it would be a very short list. So I totally, I mean, I completely agree with you. And I think that it's grace upon grace in motherhood, but I I'm just very, very thankful. And I'm really open about this and kind of challenge women and moms. Like we have so many resources at our fingertips Mm -hmm. to grow in our motherhood. Like I read book after book after book, not because I'm awesome, but one, I really do actually love to read. Two, I just, I want to grow. I want to learn different ways of doing things because my way is not the best way. And there are a lot of differences (laughs) within my home. Like my husband and I, have very different backgrounds, very different views on parenting, and we're learning to work and compromise. And that kind of goes to my next question, because as I was thinking about this conversation, I thought of the mixing of different personalities and how I hear a lot of moms say, you know, this child is so much like me. So we butt heads like crazy. Mm -hmm. And I get that like Sutton, my oldest is very much like me and we have a harder time. But I also think when we see ourselves in someone else, it can be really hard because Mm. we don't want to see that mess in someone else. So for you, like no matter how much love you have in your home, no matter how much faith you have in your home, you're bound to have differences because you're a family of sinners just like mine. How do you handle conflict and differences when circumstances and personalities do collide to make your home like a haven of peace for your family? Yeah, this is such a hard question, but I do have an answer I want to give. (laughs) Good. (laughs) But yeah, it's such a conviction for me because a haven of peace. I mean, do any of us feel like we've achieved that? (laughs) Absolutely (laughs) I'm like thinking, uh, no, yesterday I was a horrible wife. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But I'm a brat sometimes, even as a mom. But I think when it comes to personalities, we have different personalities. We have different traits and different skill sets. So it's important as a family to recognize everyone in your family's different personalities. And so like my son, he is so active, so hyper, and that can be a very negative thing, especially (laughs) when you're cooped up in your house. But that's also such a great skill set if we can shift it, my husband always calls it the Clark Kent parenting method, but like <laughs> he can be so wild that it drives everybody crazy. But we're like, buddy, what your energy, it's a superpower. If yeah. you can just learn to control it, if it's you good. don't control it, you're going to hurt people. If you do control it, you could save the world with it, with <laughs> your energy. So I think when it comes to conflicts, I think a lot of conflicts, just like you said, it's clashing of personalities. So It's always important to have a common goal as a family. It can be anything, little things like cleaning the kitchen tonight. If you're going to clean the kitchen as a family, 
have a common goal. We all have the goal in mind, but take those different personality traits and assign the task according to whose personality does what. So I do this mm. with my kids. So for my son, he loves to run outside, even if it's negative 10 degrees outside. So I'll have him take out the garbage because that gets his energy out. My daughter, she loves cleaning. I don't know. She's a weirdo, but she loves <laughs> to do the dishes. So I'll give that task to her. If I switch those two, there would be issues. And... I think it's about figuring out their personality traits, assigning yeah. tasks according, and then all working together as a common goal, doing your different tasks. And then if all else fails, I think conflict is still going to happen even then. Maybe people want to fight over the same task. Just point them back to the word. Just reflect on the fruits of the spirit and make sure you have those up on your wall with the kids. At the end of the day, sometimes their behavior is still not going to be good, and it's just important to ask them for our kids if we're in the middle of the store and they're having a bad attitude, often what we ask is, is that representing Jesus well? Yeah. Is the way you're acting right now representing Jesus well? Selfishness aside, your wants aside, is the way you're acting representing Jesus well? And a lot of times that works for them because mm -hmm. they know how important that is to us as a family. Yeah, that's good. And even talking about the word and having that mindset, I think as moms like we talked about that, that haven of peace, it is a conviction. I'm sure for any mom who hears those words and can remember, especially during this season of life. And I don't want to diminish what this year has been because I think yeah. we brush over it and we kind of say like, yeah, 2020, but I mean, right. <laughs> it has been tumultuous. And so there are probably things you've said to your children. There's probably a tone of voice maybe that's come out of you. That's never come out before. And I just want to give you the freedom that one, you're not stuck there. Like there's always growth from those moments. We shouldn't accept that, but there is a place of acknowledging the situation and the circumstances that have drawn you to that point. Because I have had moments, even with my dogs where I'm like, shut up. And oh I'm like, gosh. whoa, what is wrong with me? Like <laughs> they're so loud and they just freaking bark all day long and I'm so yeah. done with it. But I know that there are so, it's not just my dogs. It is 50 other things piled on top and the expectations and the stresses and the lack of socialization and the lack of knowledge of what the future brings that creates this within us. And so just grace upon grace, like turning to Jesus, not being afraid to ask your children for forgiveness day Absolutely. after day after day is huge. But I wanted to share Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. And that is a high calling for a parent, for a mama, for a wife and a husband to have a spirit of unity, have a desire for unity. And a lot of that looks like, I think, not having an expectation for our children to look exactly like us, to live exactly yes. like us, to have the same goals, desires, even convictions that we do. That is a lot of pressure that we would be putting on them rather than saying we're all part of the body. We all have different gifts and limbs. You know, I wouldn't be able to function without my other arm or without my leg. And our family is the same cohesive body that we all have different purposes. And so how do we live in unity knowing how different we are. Yes. Yeah. So I love that. Yeah, I love that so I, the good. practicality too of giving them roles that fit their personalities. Cause I feel like that 
it seems like it's something that day to day would create a lot more peace than trying to force fit roles. Yeah, absolutely. And even like my daughter needs her alone time because she's just more introverted than my son. And my son could take offense to that. But with him knowing that that's just how she is, that's how I am too. Instead of him thinking, oh, she just doesn't like me or she's mad at me. He understands that that's just part of our personality. Just like he gets energy from other people, we get energy from being alone. So yeah, just recognizing that we're all individuals. We're all part of the same body, but Mm -hmm. every body part functions differently. That's so beautiful. And that's so true. Yeah. I actually, as I think about that, I think of my oldest is so, I mean, they're both very social. I guess I would say they're both super social guys, but they both have different ways of expressing themselves. And then my oldest is a lot more sensitive and I am very like, cut and dry to the point. I don't express a ton of emotion unless there's something very specific going on. And so even in seeing his emotion, I have had to realize just like in my marriage where sometimes it might draw something nasty out of me where in my head, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, get over this. It's such a small thing. Move along that he draws me into a place of compassion. His personality, the things that maybe I see as different one are not weaknesses just because they're different, but they're different and it allows me to grow. And if we have that perspective where we're saying, okay, Lord, my heart is to look, my, my purpose in this world is to look more like you. How can this frustrating child or this frustrating season in this child's life draw goodness out of me? Because that pruning is done through the body. You know, like we're not going to be held accountable for anything when we're around everyone who thinks and does exactly like us. There's no growth. So having that perspective, like every day, this important work that sometimes feels monotonous is doing an eternal work in my life in motherhood. Like there's just so much purpose in parenting. And I hope that parents see that as much. Absolutely. I cannot agree with that more. A lie that you may believe far too often, especially as a woman, is that you have to choose between your family and your dreams. But the Proverbs 31 woman defies that stereotype. She was both a mother and a businesswoman. She worked hard for her family and used the giftings that God had given her to provide for her home. She had both ambition and faith, and she was honored. Friends, if you have a gift, use it to make God's name known. Share your story, share your passions, share your life. I have spent the past five years relentlessly studying and implementing all things marketing, blogging, entrepreneurship, small business, and podcasting, while also being a stay-at-home mama of two boys. Now with over 6 million blog readers, over 600,000 total podcast downloads, and tens of thousands of social media followers, I'm able to make an income for my family. I feel so passionate about this business and helping others to pursue those dreams. And I want to share everything I've learned with you, whether you're a mom of five or a college student. Do you want to be a travel blogger? Would you love to share your voice and launch a podcast? I can help you. I'm so excited to be offering one-on-one personalized business coaching for anyone with a dream to share their story, create a ministry, or build a platform. During our two and a half hour coaching session, I'll customize everything specifically for you by looking over your website and social media to give honest and helpful feedback that will help you grow. I'll teach you how to use Pinterest to make money even if you don't have any followers 
because if you're not using it yet, you're really missing out. And we'll talk all things Instagram, Facebook, branding, monetization, all in simple to understand terms. I will provide you with two free customizable media kits, a list of my 20 influencer websites that you can join right away to start collaborating with small and large brands, exclusive group board invites on Pinterest, and Facebook group invites to help get more eyes on your business right away. I always say she didn't do it better. She just did it. What is that one thing that you have always wanted to do, but you've never done? You will never succeed if you don't ever try, but you have a great chance at succeeding if you at least try. You don't ever want to live in regret. So if you are interested in this personalized coaching, just email livingeasypodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's livingeasypodcast at gmail.com. If you are interested in this coaching and hearing about how I can help you specifically, I'll talk to you soon. So turning a page a little bit in raising kids. You and your husband, are you guys different? Like, what are your personality types like in raising kids? (laughs) Yeah, I feel like we're very similar to you guys. So I don't know if it's a mom-dad thing. I don't know. But like, (laughs) also I was a nurse before this. So like, my mind goes to worst case scenario. And I'm like, okay, so yeah, they can go spend the night. But then there's a pool there. And it's just like, freak out everything. My husband's like, yeah, they're fine. Seatbelt yeah. on them. They don't need a car seat. <laughs> so Same. it does. We are different, but it works out well. There's challenges for sure. So I can very much relate in the same thing. And Jesse and I were having a conversation just the other night. He was letting them watch a movie where I was like, I mean, it was not, it was probably PG, but I'm like, my two-year-old can watch Y7. You know, like I don't want him watching PG. And it was very much a difference of like, we're raising them in our home to know right from wrong. And there are things that maybe they're going to watch that we don't fully agree with, but then we can have conversations about that after, like we can't shelter them forever. And I'm the type where I'm like, yes, we can (laughs) shelter them forever and they're going to do just fine. So like you said, I'm thankful for the balance between us because he's far more relaxed. I'm far more controlling. And I think he brings a little more joy and I bring a little more structure, but we have to find that compromise. And so as Jesse and I discussed this movie, we were talking about how the importance of that strong home life and the solid communication and the openness are so foundational for the lives of our kids because they're going to go out into the world. It is going to happen as much as I don't want it to. They're going to experience life. So we want that foundation to be so strong in our home. Can you speak to your perspective on that and kind of how you guys work through that in your homes as well? Yes. Okay. I love this question. I feel like you're hitting on all my pain points as a mom. So this is great. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're great. So honestly, I keep saying my biggest fear, but one of my biggest fears as a mom is like finding that balance between authority figure and the permissive parent that lets your kid do whatever you want. You always know that mom in high school where the kids always have the parties there. Yeah. It's like finding that balance because you want your kids to come to you, but you don't want to be so permissive that you're like letting things go that are beyond your convictions. Like you're, right. they're doing things that they shouldn't. Yeah. So 
this balance, as much as it's a struggle, I truly believe that it is so, so essential in raising kids. And it stems from having open communication, which Mm -hmm. sounds so simple because it's such a complex thing. But when we have that open communication, it leads to an environment where our kids feel heard and understood and loved and safe. And ultimately, it creates a space where they want to be. Because I think about when I was a rebellious teenager, I didn't want to be home because my parents were super strict. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I couldn't come and talk to them about things. And then now I'm a parent and I'm like, well, I want to be super strict and because I want to protect my kids. And it was all from a place of love, but it was missing that element where I felt like I had a relationship that I could come talk to them about my struggles. So then I would go talk to my friends about it and sneak out or do whatever, be a rebellious teenager. So Mm -hmm. it's like finding that balance. So how do we do that? So we are actively working on this right now, even with an eight-year-old and a five-year-old. We currently, we're working on getting out of debt. And I know we had this conversation before, but we're living in a two-bedroom apartment. And and Corey and I have been working a lot. So recently, we've noticed that Carter, our eight-year-old, he never wants to be home. He wants Mm -hmm. to go anywhere but here. He doesn't want to be around us. And so for us, this was a huge red flag because just like you said, we want our home to be like a, a place where... They want to come now, a place where they want to bring their friends to, and a place where as they become adults, they feel like they can come kick their shoes off, sit on the couch, open up the fridge, and talk to us about life. Mm -hmm. But that all starts now. So I think that it really stems from communication, and communication when our kids are little, it's different. It's simple things that we... Mm -hmm look past, like putting your phone down when they're in the room with you. Yes. How many times do we sit on the couch? And I do this. I'm so guilty of it. Mm -hmm. But we're sitting on the couch watching a movie with our kids and we're on our phones. That's not connecting with our kids. That's not opening line of communication with our kids. And they Um, notice it. I'm guilty too. I mean, Saxon is two years old and he'll say, can you put that away? (laughs) Yes, absolutely. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) But it's those little things. So Corey and I started being really intentional because we're like, okay, this is a problem because he's now wanting to go hang out with friends that we don't necessarily know very well, go to family members that we Mm. love dearly, but they don't have the same foundation as us. Yeah. And we want to be that. So we're like, let's go back to the drawing board and figure out, even in this tiny two-bedroom apartment, how can we create a space that our kids love Mm. and crave? And so for that, it's putting your phones down. We decided that we're going to start doing like a family game night every Friday. And it's not always a game night, sometimes a movie night, sometimes games, but we want to do different themes, just age-appropriate things. And Mm -hmm. I know that sounds so silly and so minute, but when they feel connected to us in a way that's healthy and not inappropriate, they come talk to us about things and we need to just get on their level to make that happen. Yeah. So I don't know if that answered the question well, but... 100%. Yeah, no, that's great. And I think honestly, so many women just as listeners and from the feedback I get as a whole from Living Easy is they just like to know they're not alone. Like it's not even having all of the answers and all of the solutions for everything. It is just saying, hey, we're in this struggle together, but also let's be better together. Let's just keep working. Because the phone thing is probably across the board. Almost every mom struggles with it. They're distracted. They want to zone out, understandably, some moments. But it is also important to know that our kids see that. And I do have an episode, if you guys haven't heard it, called Six Ways Your Phone Changes You and How to Fix It. And I talk a lot about how 
our phones impact our relationships with our children, how they impact our relationships with our families and how we can work toward better, like very practical steps working better, but very practical steps that help to make us better. But I do love that you brought up like the wanting your kids at your house now, because I think what we have to realize is maybe we're very futuristic, at least I am and thinking, okay, maybe they don't like being home now, but when they're 15, they will be absolutely not. We need to create that environment in our home that allows for them to be there. And Jesse tells me these things all the time. Like I'll always say, no, your friends are here. You don't need to play video games. Go play outside. And he's like, but he likes doing that with his friends. Like that is fun to him. So we'll have kids over at our house and Jesse will like encourage me to let him play Minecraft with them where I am like, no, you haven't had your friends over. Go play in the backyard, go play outside and enjoy that time together. And he's like, no, sometimes it's okay to let them have just lazy time, like let them. And as I think back (laughs) to my childhood, I had movie days with my friends. I played Mario Kart, you know, and I just have this sense of, it's just control ultimately to where I want things to be perfect and not screen time and And productive all the time, all the time. And actually I was sitting on the couch two days ago. I had had the craziest week and we had just gone back from Disney world. It's just been wild. So we're sitting on the couch like all day and I was working from my computer, but also watching TV and the kids were on their iPads like all day and not to guilt moms, but I'm so crazy that I can never let that actually happen. Yes, and, I'm the same way. Yeah. And so I told Sutton, I was like, oh my gosh, we're being so lazy today. And he looked over at me. He was like, we're not being lazy. We're relaxing. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> I know. Okay. I was like, good point. You know, it's okay. And Jesse always tells me it's okay to relax. It's okay to relax those rules. If yes, like we have them go outside and play and do those things consistently, it's also okay to allow them to play games because their friends are going to want to come to a house that has more freedoms. Not that you're neglecting your morals or your values, but that you're allowing them to be human beings as well and to have some freedom. And like, Breathe out a breath of air. Yes. But I think so much of it too is having healthy communication because we're talking about having these conversations, but if we sin in our anger because they do come to us, like we want that openness and they do come to us. The Bible obviously is very clear. We're going to get angry. We're sinful people. We're going to respond in anger. But Ephesians 4.26 says, in your anger, do not sin. So we can be angry at our children, but to allow that anger to turn into sin, into yelling, into being condescending, into even criticizing, you know, in moments when it's not necessary can be so damaging because then that openness you've been fighting to build is going to be hindered by the anger that you have in your home. Again, not to guilt. I've admitted many times that I raise my voice at my kids and it's something I'm always fighting. And by God's grace, somehow this year he's worked, probably because I'm home all the time, he's working in that in me and learning different paths, but it still happens. You know, it's still life and I still get frustrated. But I think that we put a roadblock in that, area. So how do you battle against anger? Like what are some things that you do in moments where it's just really heated and you're trying to prove a point or teach a lesson more so and while also not allowing anger to get the most of you, the best of you? This is such a good question and also something I really struggle with. Mm -hmm. 
So I just want you guys to know you're not alone if this is something you struggle with. And I think the important thing to recognize is kind of going back to what I said at the beginning, we need to acknowledge our humanness and this is going to happen. We've all had a crazy year. And even if it's not 2020, there are going to be things that our emotions run high and maybe our fuse blows. But the worst thing that we can do when that happens is continue to move forward like we were in the right and that our kids were in the wrong because we are not here to condemn our kids. We're here to teach and mold and shape our kids. And so when we fall short, we need to let them know that we fell short because that is also teaching them that it's okay to admit when they fall short. Mm -hmm. And if we just stop at, okay, we yelled, we addressed it, we'll just move on like nothing ever happened. It puts a wedge in and then they're not going to want to come to us again when they're afraid to talk to us about something. They will go to somebody else. Are they still going to have issues that are scary and hard? Yes, we live in a fallen world with crazy things happening. Mm-hmm. So how we respond to those things, that's going to shape whether they come to us or not. It's going to shape our relationship with them. And then when we do fall short and how we respond, if we apologize or not, that's going to shape whether they do that or not for their kids, Mm -hmm. to their friends, to their spouses. So it's such an important thing to be conscious of how we approach it. Mm -hmm. We don't always have to get it right. We need to try our best to get it right and, you know, speak with compassion or Mm -hmm. wait to speak if we're mad. But if we do act with a short fuse, we need to make sure that we address it and Mm -hmm. ask for forgiveness. Well, I think so much too is, because I love that. I think, of course, repentance and owning our junk and being humble is so huge because Jesse and I always joke, like, do as I say, not as I do. But when it comes to my family, I so want to be able to say, do as I do. And I think that is where the work comes in. That is where the intentionality comes in. That is where being faithful and reading the word and being filled with the spirit before your day begins. And also just catching yourself. Like I've seen, especially this year, moments where I want to react. I want to react rather than respond. I want to lash out. But if I'm intentional and mindful that morning with the Lord and just saying, I desire good. I desire for them to see me as someone who honors Jesus so much with my life that they see him in me. And Mm. even in my mess and in my brokenness that they're able to say, she's honest with her mess, but in her weakness, God is strong. So those are like the desires of my heart. And I think having verses for mamas, the only thing that's going to change your heart, like you can will and wish this a million times, but unless you have a heart change, you're not going to change your anger patterns. You're not going to change your reactions. And that's within me. I'm like, man, I've got some heart work to do. And it is hard, holy work, but it is good work to get me to this point. It's not an overnight fix to always be this best example. And that's never going to happen. Right. But in the moments when I'm like, okay, I have the choice right now to sit in my pride or I have the choice to choose humility, which one am I going to pick? You know, which one is better for my home to create that haven of peace? Yes. Oh my gosh, so many thoughts. I told you I could Yeah, I know. Oh, I know. Me too. And (laughs) I will second that. 
even if it's five minutes, wake up and spend time in the word. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. The days where life gets crazy and I let that slip away from me, those are the days where my attitude slips up most and I fall short the most. So just even have that conviction in the morning, it really carries you throughout the day to handle heated situations so much better. So last question, I want to talk to you about your My Why journal. So you made this based on everything we're talking about, all of these convictions in motherhood, all of the desire for openness and communication. So talk a little bit about the purpose of this journal and how our listeners, other parents can use this to grow and strengthen their relationships with their children. Yeah. So I'm super excited about this project. It's something that I have done for a while. Since my kids have been born, I bought them each a journal when they were born, wrote them letters. And in my head, I was always like, okay, when they become the age where they can start writing, we're going to turn this into a dialogue and write letters back and forth. Mm. Well, now my son is at that age. My daughter's almost to that age too. And man, their questions, they come in strong and they come in Fierce. Yeah. So many, like by the thousands, especially for my son, who's like the ultimate challenger, type eight mm-hmm. child. So I started thinking, you know, sometimes the questions are hard to answer and it's just not adequate or sufficient to give him an answer right on the spot. Sometimes I'm in the middle of work and it's so easy to be short fused, just like we talk about yeah. and say, I don't know. I don't know. Not right now. Go away. Shoo him away. But just like we said before, the little questions now that they're asking about dinosaurs and about Legos and about sometimes more serious things about why their friends treated them the way they did. If we don't open that door and answer those questions to them now, they're not going to come asking us questions when they're teenagers and they have more serious problems. Right. So the whole idea behind the My Why Journal is, and I have it right here, it's a hardcover. So it's kind of like a keepsake, but they, so, oh, so when cute. they have, thank you. They have a question. Let's say I'm in the middle of dinner, cooking dinner. I've got a lot going on. It's been a long day. My son comes in and he asks me a question. My reflex is to say, I don't know, go away. <laughs> That's like my worst case scenario. No, but Let's say I would like to answer it. I should instead say, you know what, buddy? That's a great question. Why don't you write it down in your journal? And I will give you a response when I have time because your questions are important to me. I want to make sure I give you an appropriate response. And I want to make sure we have time to talk about it. But right now is not a good time. So write it down so we don't forget. And we'll talk about it later. So in the book, there are prompts. There's a space for them to write the question. And then a space for us to write our response. And then at the very end, there's a space, it says scripture to support the response. So Mm -hmm. not only are we giving them our answer, but we're giving them scripture that supports why our answer is the way it is. So it gives them that foundation, kind of like we were talking about before. It's not just about rules. It's about why our rules are our rules. And ultimately, it's because we serve a God who gives us a roadmap to life. And if we follow that roadmap, life is so much more abundant and beautiful. So that's kind of the idea behind the Y Journal. There's a section in the back called, I don't want to talk about it. So as they get older, they might have more embarrassing or awkward questions. And Mm. the agreement in that book is, or in that section of the book is just, if they write the question there, you can still write the response. You'll still give them the foundation, but 
It just doesn't need to be discussed face-to-face. So they have the answer. They're still encouraged to go to you to ask the question, but it's just one of those things where they just want to know the answer and they don't want to talk about it because it's too uncomfortable. So do you write them back or do you go and approach the conversation? You write them back. So they ask the question, you write the response, but in that section, that's it. Like you're just writing the response. But what we're finding is that that really opens the door. Like they read your answer and then they have more that they want to talk about. Mm -hmm. So even though initially they don't want to talk about it because maybe it's a question about puberty or something like that, they read your answer and then there's follow-up questions. So it kind of opens the door to a dialogue that they might not have ever had to begin with. I'm super excited about it. And I know that this practice, it seriously has been so helpful for us and our kids, especially for me, because I'm so task oriented. It's so easy for me. Like my mind is going a million miles a minute and I don't have the time to answer their 50 (laughs) questions. It's just been such a beautiful tool for us to encourage dialogue. We sit it on their bed. They ask the question. I put it back Mm -hmm. on their bed and give them the response. And then when we have family meetings, we can talk about it further. And then you have it in like an awesome keepsake for them to have. Mm -hmm. It's really pretty to sit on the bookshelf and then they can keep it as like journal to share with their kids or anything like that. Yeah. So I was going to say, it's really cool that they can look back on that and that you can look back on that as just a really huge piece, monumental of building and strengthening your relationship. Bethany, tell us where we can find the My Why Journal and where you can be found on social media. So my social media is at Bethany and Corey, and then I will make sure I get you the link to the journal. It's on Barnes and Noble. Yay! They don't sell it in the store right now, but it's just online. So I'll make sure I give you that link. Perfect. I will put that in the show notes. So for those of you listening, just scroll down from the episode and I will have their social media links as well as a link to the My Why Journal. But thanks, Bethany. That was such a good conversation. Always fills my soul to talk to other mamas. So I appreciate you. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. Of course. All right. And to our listeners, thank you guys so much as always for listening. I hope that you feel encouraged by this podcast that you are so not alone in your motherhood, but there is really huge opportunity for growth and potential and so many resources out there and the journal being one of them and then just podcasts and books and all the things. So if you enjoyed this episode, please tag at living easy with Lindsay on Instagram, follow along for quotes and inspiration and encouragement and just real life behind the scenes stuff. And if you haven't rated and reviewed the podcast, please take a second to do so. It only takes 30 seconds for you, but it means the world to me and just kind of helps me in my little podcasting journey. So I love you guys and I'll talk to you next Monday. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a second to share the love. The simple act of taking a screenshot of this episode and tagging the Living Easy podcast makes such a huge difference in my little podcasting world. If you were blessed, challenged, or impacted by this conversation, someone else you know might be too. So please feel free to share a little hope and joy with the people that you love. If you haven't already, please take 30 seconds to scroll down from this episode or the podcast homepage on iTunes to give a quick rating and review. This makes a huge difference and helps in getting great guests for future interviews. Don't forget to follow along with me on Instagram for encouragement, devotionals, and practical advice on all the life and faith stuff. Love you guys.